0: We are delighted to have Andy Griffith with us here today, our first live guest.
1: In the flesh. (laughs) On the
0: EduBleather podcast. Uh, Usually, Jason and I can mask our inefficiencies through very clever edits, but today there is no escaping the fact that people will see behind the curtain. The genie is out the bottle, I think, on this one. We are delighted to have Andy with us today. Andy Griffith is a highly sought after consultant and trainer on motivational learning, innovative, high impact teaching and learning. He's after teaching for full time for 12 years in secondary schools, he moved into educational training and consultancy driven by the mission to enable young people from whichever background to achieve their full potential. We have a range of questions for Andy today and I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic conversation. So Andy, just to, to start us off, I wonder if you could just talk to us about your, your journey, as it were. How how have you arrived where you are today? How did it all begin?
2: Well, nice to be here, Jude. Um, yeah, as I said, 12 years full time teaching started in my career as a second teacher in London. I went to Liverpool, that's where I did my teacher training. Um, I like to say I was headhunted, but (laughs) someone where I did a teacher has asked me to come back. Yeah, and then um, yeah, and then I went part time teaching two thousand and one, and started going into sort of teacher training, doing different projects. I I'd I'd written a few education packs. Um, One was on equal equal opportunities. I co-wrote with a lady called Aaron Riley. The other one was Citizens of the Future. So they were like A four sort of packs and. There was a there was a whole thing in um, it tied in with a, a new curriculum change in England called citizenship. So there was this big hopes for citizenship. It's now become just part of the PSE curriculum now. But I had this great dream. It was going to be this dynamic pedagogy where every Wednesday afternoon kids would be out doing projects in the community mm. and looking at knife crime and how you could reduce. And it didn't end up like that. But yeah, it was. Um, so I I started doing that, and then Comic Relief approached me. I got involved with them and that was great Um, got to visit some of their projects and a long-standing relationship with project in Belfast went out to Mombasa and generally every year it was comic relief and then sports relief and I'd write the education packs or the assemblies that went into school or or worked with teachers to do that so it was really really interesting actually so uh, I guess that that was a tipping point where I just sort of thought I wanted to do more um, you know stuff just not just teaching so I I still work in schools sort of part-time as a teacher, but, you know, I'm a bit of a sham. because really one day a week, you know. Uh, but the rest of the time I, um, yeah, I write or train or travel or recover or something. <laughs> one of those things, you know. Yeah, yeah. So
1: in terms of your your role that you're in just now, Andy, if you were able to, to sum it up, what would you describe it as in terms of what you're doing?
2: I mean, like an average week or... Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I have a school uh, that I work in in Liverpool called All Saints Catholic High School, uh, my best friend is a head teacher there, he went there in April 2015, schools school was in Special Measures, um, you can't say no to a best friend can you, so yeah. he asked me to go over and help <laughs> him and I was really happy to do that and I've sort of helped to design the CPD for that school for okay. the last three years which is focused on all sorts of different areas around literacy, um, around just getting more teachers open to learning and, mm-hmm. and you know, nearly every teacher's gone through their video analysis programme I've created. Um, so that, that's part of what I do. I, I still do one day courses. Okay. I'm working due to school tomorrow, <laughs> um, uh, running a course called Leading for Excellence. Um, I, just finished writing a book, um, and you know, I doing other things really. But yeah, it's, always, it's a bit of it's always so a bit quite
1: varied then in terms of what your week looks like.
2: Yeah, it's, it's varied. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to Azerbaijan on Thursday wow. <laughs> for, for a conference. So yeah, but it's not always as exotic as that. You know, mm. it's uh, it's quite varied, but it's nice. I like that. It's not boring. Yeah, I bet. So that's good. Yeah,
1: and you mentioned there. Um, the teacher observation programme that you introduced in your school. Can you tell us a wee bit more about that? Is that about yeah, so, staff being so videoed?
2: What, So what yeah is so when I first went um self employed I wasn't really doing teacher learning. It was really around citizenship. Okay. So I was on the QCA writing team for citizenship and I was asked by various schools, well can you train our staff around this new citizenship curriculum? And I'd like to think um that wasn't just informational, it was about how you can make mm-hmm. this this new Subjects uh, something really interesting and dynamic and you know empower young people and and there's some great um, Projects that have gone on around the country in relation to citizenship but overall um, But so, so yeah, so I, I then got into I suppose what you would call teaching and learning. Mm-hmm. So in 2003 Osiris asked me to run a course. I think it was called supercharger teaching
1: <laughs> Okay I like the title, well, maybe it was
2: called <laughs> 20 Things I Didn't Teach a Teacher Trainer," <laughs> something like that. Yeah, and people come along to it and really really liked it, and it gradually it's morphed into a one-day course called "Outstanding Teaching," okay. and um, that, that did really well. And you know, loads of insect days sprung out of that, as well as one-day courses. But actually, I was saying to you before, the trainer's life is quite strange in a way because you can travel you know, hundreds of miles of train and not really speak to anybody. Yeah. Go to a hotel, not really speak to anybody. And then you are front of a hundred people. And then at the end of a five hours, six hours training, you're back in a taxi, you're back on a train, not speaking to it. It's yeah. been weird, really, um, you know, being a gregarious person. It was a, but so basically, I think I enjoyed the training. But after the first sort of few years, I, well, I didn't get the buzz out of it that I, I was initially mm-hmm. and I think you know really good evaluation at the end of a one-day training or, or random applause at the end of a training or my favourite thing at the end of a one-day training is some older teacher comes up to me shakes my hand and says that wasn't as shit as I thought it was gonna be <laughs> <laughs> that's like the best thing yeah. but then I, I started to think well you know what I don't really know if what you know you pull your suitcase away, you don't really yeah. know if it's really made a difference yeah. so mm-hmm. I created this thought, I, I yeah. sat down Uh, with Tony who's this guy I was telling you about before who's now my head teacher Mm -hmm. Um, and he was a deputy at the time in a school in Liverpool and we sat down in his conservatory in Liverpool we hatched this plan for um, it makes him sound really middle-class he's not middle-class by the way he (laughs) thinks he is but um, so this is about 2005 and we we it was a modular course so the shape of it is very similar today is that you take a cohort of people through three training sessions about three-hour training sessions. About a week later, you'd video them mm-hmm. trying something from the session, and a few days after they watched their video, you'd talk to that person mm. for about uh, for, you know, 30, 45 minutes. And the content of the course has changed over time. There were three modules, and at mm. the end, people would stand up, and I think you've seen evidence of this in yeah. your school, haven't you? People stand up, and they talk about their learning journey, yeah. and they talk about what they've learned. And, and what was great is that, um, in England, we've got a very high accountability system. <laughs> Too high. Is that uh, Ofsted? Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of schools have chased what they perceive Ofsted was. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and over that period of time, I'm talking about 2005 to now, uh-huh. there's been all sorts of different, I guess, um, I don't know, people have chased what they think you're supposed to do. And I think the, the unit of the lesson was king as well, Jace. So that So people, if you said to someone, even to this day, how many times you get observed a year. Mm-hmm. They'll say, oh, three, four, they don't think that every day you're observed yeah. by students. So actually, they, they, they overemphasize, one, the unit of the lesson, and two, the stranger in the classroom who's mm-hmm. not a kid. And it was yeah. all of it. But, but, uh, but it helped lots of teachers. It helped lots of teachers to cope with Ofsted. Mm-hmm. It helped lots of teachers to do better in performance management, mm-hmm. um, to reconnect, to develop the competence. And people were saying, that's the best CPD we've ever had. And I'm really proud of that. Even if that could have helped one teacher. Yeah. I mean that's what I went into teacher training for. Yeah. And
1: actually the power of of watching yourself teach back on a video. I mean, that's something that when I went through teacher training. Have
2: you have you seen yourself too?
1: That was a key part of it. So we were linked yeah. up. We've spoken about this before on weather yeah.
2: What did you notice out of
1: Um well one of the things is all the ticks and all the little habits, first of all, that you have. Um You also notice, like, what you're doing around the class in terms of your movement. Mm. Um, You notice and you actually think about the questions you're asking and the language you're using, how you're actually explaining things. Um, And we did this as part of our our university uh, degree. And then your partner watches it, your tutor watches it, and then you get feedback on it. Mm. And it was fantastic. Mm. Really, really good. Um, It's, it's
2: It's still not particularly that well established as a norm. I mean, in sport now, video analysis is key. I've been of a, been a rugby coach. Yeah. Uh, I've been a football coach. But, you know, I, I had a fantastic you know, experience coaching a rugby team. And I'm not from a rugby background, mm-hmm. but... I'm but you know, we had a few lads who in the back who thought they were running straight, mm. and i are completely. <laughs> like, I'm running straight. I'm telling you, I'm running straight. And it's only when you show them on the video they realise that they're not. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. It, that's literally that epiphany, you know.
1: And you can have someone telling you as much. <coughs> as as you like but actually yeah. the, if they see it themselves it's much yeah. more what about powerful. YouTube? Have you dude
2: have you seen yourself
0: i have yeah wonderful that's my thing i say, <laughs> I say wonderful i thought all you said, said you were wonderful well i mean i was definitely <laughs> wonderful but i also say wonderful all the time and i stand up and I, I think i'm aware that i want to be positive and i'm aware that i want to engage and motivate mm-hmm. and i'm like ah oh, wonderful wonderful guys everything's wonderful and then actually it's funny there's a bit in 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 your book Engaging Learners that talks about that sort of purposeful praise but like being overly explicit with praise that you're given and actually reading that and thinking I wasn't doing that at all I was just saying wonderful wonderful (laughs) wonderful and it's I think looking at it under such a a, a microscope like that and actually taking the fear out of that because it's not about catching someone. it's not really saying "Ah, well that's the thing
2: I mean that is the thing that you can't do this course about trust I mean Jase it's really interesting what you're saying because I don't use this slide anymore, but I used to use this slide on a training course, and it said something like, "It was a picture. It's a real book. Mm-hmm. It was a picture of how to how to lose twenty pounds um, when you're over forty, and it was a picture. And I said, I'd say to the audience, I just bought this book for my wife for a birthday, and I just let, put it out there, and just, what do you think she'll like it? And it was like. You could see some people I mean obviously this was into the day, yeah, so I yeah. realised at this point I <laughs> was the first thing. I, I told a few <laughs> dodgy jokes by then. But once I explained, no I'm joking. But the dynamic is that if you wanted to lose twenty pounds, mm-hmm. you'd go to a bookshop or go online and you'd buy it if someone come up to you and said you know, I mean, a, the whole dynamic's different, isn't it? Yeah, it's like hold on a minute, this person thinks I'm fat. Yeah. So, but but that's yeah. the point about video analysis. If you see an issue for yourself, mm. then you're more likely to want to change it. And that's part of the problem of the accountability, you know, structure, if you like, or, or paradigm. I mean the Ofsted, you know, they're not necessarily a bad organisation, mm. but they're there with a deficit model in mind, aren't they? Yeah, I, you yeah. And 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 that's yeah. that's you know public money goes into making sure that you know parents send you know children to good schools, and I get that to an extent. But I think I think some of the advice or the interpretation by leadership of what they think the advice was over that yeah. period of time mm. um, has made people dysfunctional. And, and going back again to to lesson observation, and I don't know if you guys. I can think of any other profession where people behave differently, where people come into the room. Because I challenge you that yeah. you go into a garage, the guys mm-hmm. don't suddenly no. do anything differently. You go into no. a hairdresser, people don't. What, why are we so unconfident in our profession that we think that that one-off observation is something we should do something different mm-hmm. for? You should be able to have an ongoing dialogue yeah. about where your class is, where they need to be, where that individual is, what your fears are, concerns are. And be open about that. And I think people tried to mask that, and that's been the. the uh, uh, and, it, yeah. and, and actually, overall, I think the video analysis stuff has built. A trust within the whole school mm-hmm. not just with those individual mm-hmm. teachers that's what i'm most I proud of i think that's
0: of. the crux of it though it's that trust dynamic that's lost and it's about mm-hmm. that sort of intrinsic versus ex- extrinsic it's if you're doing it because of someone coming in mm-hmm. then of course you're going to try and if you're that person who wants to perform and wants to do well to either keep their job or to do better if there's performance related pay or anything whatever do you know but actually if, if you're doing it for yourself as, a, as to, to to better yourself to better yourself as a as a professional then that should be something that's ongoing, but that's I think it's the trust dynamic that's lost that we don't don't have that bit right.
1: But then I wonder, are people like that because, because, of the professionalism part of it, and maybe sometimes teachers are too autonom- autonomous, and actually they have a lot of say in terms of what goes on in their classroom. Yeah. Do you know there's a lot of freedom to do things, mm. apart from you've got your we're national working, curriculum. We work in boxes, don't we? Yeah. Of course. In boxes and... Quite literally. Yeah, we're street, li- yeah. Quite literally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we do. yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and is that part of it, do you know? Because I would question...
2: I think what we're trying to do is, I think the part of the aim of the programme, and it's not, a, it's not a hidden agenda, is we're trying to de classrooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're trying to get people... I mean, you think about the structure of that one course, for instance, then the cohort will meet and train Mm -hmm. together three times, they will have the interaction with the trainer, but there's lots of informal communication Mm -hmm. with each other on the call like how did your video go and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. and that's deliberately built into it so that you know we want people to be sharing and, and talking about what they've learned and actually I want teachers to get a buzz, you know when they try something out See, one of the things, one of my golden rules is that anything from a training session you can't use. You have to adapt. <laughs> so you can't just use that resource. You have to adapt it. But when it comes off, they get hooked into adapting. And some teachers aren't really in that m- mindset of adapting. They're, they're used to. Download or use or copy paste, yeah. and it just gets them a bit more creative, you mm-hmm. know. And I want them to get that buzz of creativity and challenge some limiting beliefs that some teachers have that they're not creative, mm-hmm. but yeah. everybody is. But they yeah. just.
0: But also, I would argue that oh, most teachers are that sort of a, a social group, you know. And actually, you get that buzz, and I've seen firsthand the the impact that the Osiris programme can have, do you know, and in that teachers, five or six or teachers from different schools are all saying, I just loved going into other people's classrooms, seeing what they were doing, seeing what they were adapting. That's a really natural process, I would argue, but it takes something almost I would say someone external, someone who's not in a judgmental way, sort of looking at how they're See, that's um, part they're, of your challenge, isn't working. it? Because
2: you're you're a deputy and you're developing people in house. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I think I'd agree with you to an extent as a, you know, I could say exactly the same things as you, <laughs> mm-hmm. but because I'm a different voice, maybe, and I'm not there all the time, mm-hmm. yeah. that there, there may be that, that it, Does that it have could impact, resonate a little yeah. bit, well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean,
1: one of the things we do in our school, so we've um, had a learner's walk. So where members of the senior leadership team and middle leadership team are going around the school and they're popping in and they're doing an ethos visit so they're popping in to see how the young people are getting on with a view of looking at the young people not looking at the member of staff Mm. to try and take that away from um the member of staff feeling that pressure we still have um classroom observations by middle leaders and by senior leaders and that's a probably more formal observation but why do we not see more use of of technology and video and things, Do you know, why why does it need my time to go into a class when actually we could watch a snippet of a lesson? Well, I think it, Do you I know? think
2: I think you need to have a high trust culture, mm-hmm. yeah. and I think you know we have very strict confidentiality protocols. Mm-hmm. But you know, who'd have thought that you know people would go outside pubs and smoke? Yeah, you know, yeah. things change. It's a norm it's now, changing. isn't it? It will be a new norm mm-hmm. in the future, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, if if you think about a school where Everybody, you know, if, if an NQT comes to a school and you know they do video analysis, they just get on with video analysis. That's it's making good. the changes, the key mm-hmm. thing, but but leaders have to be at the back, vanguard of that. And I wouldn't just stop at lessons either, I'd mm-hmm. stop at meeting, I'd look at meetings, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, God, you know, on the course I'm doing with Judith, I'm like, yeah. you know, how many terrible meetings you get, that's mm-hmm. that's look at how we can make meetings better, that's, mm-hmm. that's video yeah. other things and use that as you know. I did a great project in um, Surrey where we did what we, what we ended up calling an explain-a-thon and different teachers from different schools came along um, and each day was for different subjects. We had an English day and then an RE and, um, and they had a teaching backwards in set day, three secondary schools. And mm-hmm. Surrey's is quite an interesting place because full of private schools and grammar schools. And these were the three comps this <laughs> mm-hmm. part of Surrey. and the people were fantastic, they were brilliant. And they went to the teaching backwards in today, and they were brilliant, they bought everybody the book, and all these little orange notebooks, livery of, and then it, it led to this spin-off work, and basically the whole premise was that people came along, and you had a whole timetable, people come along and explain a concept, and they were videoed, mm-hmm. and then you know people went away with a video on a pen drive, but they got to watch the video back, uh, so you maybe do like four in a row, and then you watch the videos back, and then people would critique, and it was just so brilliant because, yeah. you know, you got you got fellow subject teachers critiquing each other, mm-hmm. safe space, going away with mm-hmm. video. Got to, and in one day, they've got so much rich CPD. And if, if you said to people at the end of the day, like I did, you know, would you be up for doing more video analysis? Every single hand goes up. And yeah. it's how you do it is yeah. the key thing. Yeah. Um, but it will become the norm, I'm sure. But you have to you have to break the. I mean, trust is like Jing jenga bricks. <laughs> when you must mm. know that as a leader, so. Mm-hmm it's very hard to build as soon as you know it's really you get people talking Definitely. about people's backs yeah. soon as people start feeling they're labelled mm-hmm. or is a, a hidden agenda they just all come crashing down mm-hmm. you've got to be very very careful with that and mm-hmm. you
0: know yeah In yeah, cultural change that's a constant isn't it it needs to yeah. be like that but it, all be, all be, it will become the norm yeah. I'm sure <laughs> in the
2: future it's a norm in sport now isn't it absolutely it's a norm in um, sport you know if, if uh, no elite football team goes from one game to another about video analysis mm-hmm. of, of the previous game or mm-hmm. the opposition they're facing mm-hmm. and same with cricket and golf and yeah yeah you know, it's just and
0: actually arguably I mean oh, well teaching is obviously a much more complex skill because it's well, involved uh, in so uh, many So, so what I would say not? about
2: that when we do video analysis we're careful to have what we call micro focus right okay I've l- I've made a lot of mistakes with video analysis all with the best of intentions but I, I think going back Say two thousand and five, and I was doing sort of pilots for the outstanding mm-hmm. teaching intervention. I'd video a teacher. It wasn't quite in the Betamax era, but it was like you know, it was old kit. Yeah. And it was like, watch this, and I'll, I'll have a mm-hmm. chat tomorrow. And there's just so much to watch, dude. You're absolutely so right. Yeah. So, so the way we design the course now is that, you know, the first module is on engagement, the second is feedback, and the third is challenge. Now, even within that, mm-hmm. there are lots of different areas, and what we've got is a, is a a set of video questions that are going to be asked, that the teacher see up front beforehand. And they can effectively choose to look at something. So I listened to your guys podcast about uh, assessment. Mm -hmm. And you know, so some I mean, there's been lots of teachers have gained epiphanies from questioning. Mm -hmm. They know the session is going to be on challenge and know or feedback, they'll know that there's a questionnaire that, that the trainer's going to ask them about questions and they're got going to annotate that question for themselves when they watch it. Sure. Yeah. But sometimes they can't help to slip into their habit. But once they're aware of that habit, that maybe they don't ask enough metacognitive cognitive questions mm. or they go to the same pupils or they, you know, they don't to time, time. They, yeah. there's all these issues.
1: Absolutely.
2: Then it can open up a bit of space for the teacher to stop mm-hmm. post video and think, right, hold on a minute. Or, or to have a little crib sheet in front of them and to make sure that, that, that yeah. they're trying to improve mm-hmm. that aspect of their pedagogy. So, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's it's powerful stuff. It's it's almost at a point... I was working with a school recently, um, and they were talking about having, like, a triad oh, yeah. approach, but there was no video analysis involved. Okay. I almost felt like, well, why aren't you doing it? It's like mm-hmm. you're missing a, an important link mm-hmm. in that... In the, it's one person's perception against another person. You've mm-hmm. got to get that person to...
1: To understand and realise for themselves. Self, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah,
2: that's absolutely. not always easy, by the way. Because yeah. sometimes... I mean, I've seen... Yeah, I've seen a fight before in a class that a teacher didn't see in the lesson, <laughs> let alone, but spe- you know, that's a really extreme. This yeah. yeah. <laughs> <see> <laughs> I'm, I'm not sending it to Harry Hill, but <laughs> it's, no, they're all deleted, trust me. I'm not breaking but no, but I mean, yeah, 99 point, you know, of the time, Yeah. yeah. Um, and actually a lot of the time in the feedback session, I think the, the training team are trying to accentuate the positives. <laughs> Mm-hmm. people come in often to a feedback session, and straight away think of all the negative. You know, it's a very complex thing we're doing here. Yeah. But the micro focus does does laser in more on what we're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. And if there's other things you've seen outside of that, fine. But that's what we're trying to focus on. And I think there's a danger you can look, do too much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a little bit. So this going back to that example, and sorry, that was the quality of one's explaining. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I think as a secondary teacher, I think it's it's an under, under underutilized. It's, it's often not talked about that much, especially in the, in a the high teacher talk era that was condemned by Ofsted wrongly. Mm-hmm. But how well a teacher explains a concept, yeah. you know, how to use perhaps metaphor, how to use. Diagrams, are really powerful and mm-hmm. you know, you can learn from other teachers as well and you just your whole explanation repertoire goes up in, in mm-hmm. that culture. So yeah, it's it's exciting stuff really,
0: yeah. And I think we've spoke a lot there about that process of watching yourself and seeing you've obviously taken part in thousands of hours worth of observations now. <laughs> yeah. You can see um, the bags under <laughs> my eyes. <laughs> no comment, I tell you look young and sprite man i wonder if there's any could you even just go into because we spoke a lot and we were all quite quick and i think that's maybe the kind of british disposition there to talk about things that we've done wrong Uh within our observations that was the first thing that you and i spoke about there Uh but actually within those thousands of hours worth of observations are there are there common things that have come out that you've seen that are really high quality teaching and learning experiences what are the common themes that arise from that what have you sort of seen because obviously that's shaped your your book writing the way that yeah, what you've observed and that's kind of fed into that what are the what are the really yeah in many things? ways
2: teaching backwards crystallizes you know me myself and mark sat down and um mark burns who's a co-writer of the book who's the best hundred teachers we've ever seen what do they do and mm-hmm. i think we i think hence the title of the book teaching backwards they're very clear mm-hmm. where they're going they're clear in their own mind what they're trying to create mm-hmm. and i think that at two levels what we call the macro level they, they, they talk about taking their class on a journey. Mm-hmm. They've got an idea of what they want their class to look like at the end. Mm-hmm. So I read a fantastic book by a woman called Jo Philpott, called Captivate Your Students, who's a six, she's uh, a sixth form, and she's a historian. But she, I mean, she's got a section in the book where, you know, September, you know, developing protocols mm-hmm. and, you know, budding system, type, and you can really, she lays it out, and it's a oh, so wow. beautiful, way of seeing I'm getting them to May and this is what the class will be able to do. And by May, they'll be confidently self and peer assessing. You know, and it's it's just really, you know, over two sides of A4, Jude. And absolutely. and and I think the best teachers are, can articulate what they're trying to do. Yeah. So we call it cash, knowledge, attitude, skills and habits. You know, what do you want your class to look like? Yeah. And they have an idea about it. And you can see that bleeding through in their norms and routines. So mm-hmm. say for instance Lots of teachers want their students to be independent learners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they do all the stuff for, for kids. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, if you've got a help desk or you've got protocols um, around, you know, increasingly asking students to comment on their work before they mm-hmm. submit it or um, become assessment capable by understanding mm-hmm. rubrics and exam diagnostics, then that that that's really that in action. When you see that developing. Yeah. Um, that's certainly one of the things uh, I think the other thing is agility mm. you know um, it's the ability to change plan change tack in a lesson and it would have come through questioning mm-hmm. or from something that you've observed yeah mm-hmm. and I think probably I don't would you agree guys probably the best if you think about the best lesson you've ever taught they weren't the, the lessons you intended to teach yeah, the yeah. yeah exactly you right. and to the,
1: yeah I would agree the, the ones that you just you get something and you go down a route with that that you didn't ever anticipate in going down because mm-hmm. someone had given a really good answer mm-hmm. or answered a really good question or asked a really good question and you just go down that route
0: and i think it's like loads to learn there from our early years colleagues that teach that that's the way that they teach mm-hmm. all the times you know and actually understanding that as a you've been able to so uh, coming at it with an intended outcome, what mm-hmm. it is that we were aiming for? But how you can mm-hmm. agility is a really good way of putting it. It's about yeah, I've never... actually understanding. Yeah, that it's about if you can come at this flexibly, the the motivation behind that is going to be great. But all the while being excessively clear back to your first point about well, yeah. actually there is this. This is the destination we might be taking a more scenic route to get there, but actually yeah. I need to guide yeah. you, because that's part of the job. Yeah. Of but D- the D- Dylan William,
2: Professor Dylan Williams says he wished he'd called Assessment for Learning Responsive Teaching. Yeah, yeah. I heard him say that at a conference, because I think oh. we, we, we <clears throat> sometimes, um, I mean, you know, we we talk about a teacher detective in Teaching Backwards, who went into a Clouseau mm-hmm. and a Columbo, you know, it's two extremes <laughs> in the detective world, and both fantastic actors, but, you know, you couldn't be too different and I think I think what Columbo does is he's very hard to fall mm. and I think that you know going back again what we talked about before about the the lesson is not the right unit to judge mm-hmm. Yeah. so so that's why we devised the teaching macros topic planner and it's that A3 sheet that yeah. um, you know that's really been a game changer for lots of schools and you see teachers recognising well when do you pre-assess how do you pre-assess if you haven't pre-assessed, then how do you truly know the starting point? Because mm-hmm. yeah. the quickest way to disengage a kid at the beginning of a topic is to teach them something he already know. Because kids yeah. aren't going to volunteer and say that, <laughs> yeah. you know, everybody wants an easy life, aren't they? So, so yeah, um, so I think it's, yeah, I think that, that I think agility's a, a, yeah, it's the word I like to think mm. about. Yeah. You know. Can I, like I tell you a quick story about that? Yeah, please do. Yeah. i go for it in the book, because um, it's a true story, so when I was teaching First year of teaching, I was teaching, what you call a lower school class. So it'd be like year seven, you'd call them in England. What do you guys call them? Year seven. So first year, secondary. Yeah, S1. S1, yeah, yeah. So sinking on Titanic, had a roll of blackboard, big chalk join of the iceberg, chalk join of Titanic. And I'd brought in an empty tin and a tin opener. And I talked about the impact of the ship and the tin opener ripping open a hull, yeah. and these kids were just a gog. And I taught this lesson, and I went back and I sat next to my head of department called Resty soul and McLeod, and I said something along the lines of, "I was awesome this morning. <laughs> <laughs> it was my first year of teaching. Like, I'm amazing." <laughs> and about three, three or four lessons later, I gave a test, which I collected in. And it was you know, number one, was what secretary tank number two was, you know, what were the, mm-hmm. and, and this a giant Tin Opener. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the best <laughs> and worst. You know, yeah, 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 absolutely. So, so, yeah. I, so actually, um, I, th- I think what I've learned from that, and it goes back to what makes a great teacher, is that a great teacher assumes that what they've been said hasn't been heard and what they've taught hasn't been remembered. They don't assume the opposite. And I was assuming in my first year of teaching, I'm so glad that happened to me, mm-hmm. that because every kid was looking at me agog, because <laughs> I brought in a, a, a cheap prop, that, and I told a good story, that it would be sticky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But actually, I, I've learned to slow myself down. And I think the best teachers are really very, very good detectives. Yeah. They will go back over something, not just in the lesson, mm-hmm. they'll go, six months later and give them a little mini test on something earlier on that year. And I think that is what really makes a great teacher is mm. that, it, it's that sort of being a rigorous detective. Um, so yeah, I think that's another, another factor there. That's definitely. a
0: good way of thinking about it. I like that, just yeah. that detective work, just trying to investigate. Assume, assume, assuming, through, you know, yeah.
2: it's like assumption, assuming, if you assume that everything you say won't be learned, Okay, it won't be remembered. Then it forces you to think, well, how w- will I make it? Yeah. How and can I change yeah, that? Yeah, and, and it's, and it's that sort that of quite, it's quite arrogant to think otherwise. But you know, first year teaching, big jazzy tie, <laughs> 22, <laughs> yeah. 23 years old, big ego. Yeah. I got taken to court, you know, and prosecuted for having a big ego. I, I appealed you know <laughs> but you know yes no, yeah 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 but um yeah no, that was no but so. that was but that really you know put a big pin in my ego mm-hmm. and it was, it was the best thing that happened to me in the classroom because you know it's very easy to make assumptions and I think when you when you do um, assessment for learning based on facial expressions <laughs> which is what my only tool was yeah
1: <laughs> then you're a fantastic teacher then you're a sure. fantastic teacher yeah yeah, yeah. Um,
2: yeah and kids can learn to play that game very quickly, mm-hmm. can't they? If it's it's not very hard. demanding, is it just too, mm,
0: But that's yeah. a that's a moment of self-realisation, I think, which is hard because actually that comes, you have to separate yourself from the ego when you're trying to have that moment of realisation. I think that's tricky, back to what we're talking about with with a perception of trust in and creating that culture because you can't really do that because mm-hmm. automatically you're going to try and defend yourself and say, well, it can't be mm-hmm. my fault and it can't be. But actually realising that the role of the teacher through Detective or whatever sort of allegory metaphor yeah. we're wanting to use about, it. actually, it is about the children. Right? Mm-hmm. You have to remove your ego from it and always leave it there. F- mm-hmm. Through all walks of have so you
2: got? Have you guys changed? You know, you think back to your first couple of years and, you know, and f- you know we've got more. You know, I'm fifty two now, but mm-hmm. I've still got quite a bit of energy, but not as much as I had <laughs> when I was twenty two. But um, how, how have you guys changed? You think your your detective qualities? You know what? It's mm-hmm. <laughs> a great
0: question. Yeah, that is a good
2: question, actually.
0: I think for me, certainly, um, one of the biggest impact is is the way that I um, favour research and trying to distill educational research into the classroom. Where I think I would I would I was very much a sort of magpie. I would steal loads of stuff, and just because I was dead keen and I just wanted to. That's my watch telling me to move. I've been sat for too long. Sorry hates it when my watch goes <laughs> Um yeah i think that's the big thing actually but then actually looking at what are the trends throughout research and mm. how can i distill that into my practice and i think that's quite a tricky thing to do and i think it's hard but that's why i, I really enjoy books that actually do distill that in really practical ways that are that are thematic and do it in a way so yeah. i think instead of doing everything and trying it all tomorrow mm. that's mm-hmm. one of the things that i've
2: have moved on. Embed one thing at a time is, yeah. always, is always a good thing. And that's, that's it. Slow it down as an individual and as a school. Yeah, yeah, yeah and definitely. you're
1: totally right because, you know, being a younger teacher, you've got the enthusiasm. You're like, I need to have everything all singing, all dancing. I need to have everything working perfectly. Yeah. You know, I'm a real believer in technology and I love technology in the classroom. And I think I was thinking it needs to be really complex, but actually it doesn't, you know. It, in particular with technology, it can be really simple.
2: Well, visualizers are great. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> visualise, you know, I'm doing writing demonstrations with students, mm-hmm. it, you know, or, or slow writing or yeah. using frameworks or trying to craft or develop a piece. You know, visualizers are great. Yeah.
1: yeah. I can think of one example where, I don't know if you've heard of Glow, which is, a, is an online learning tool. And five, ten years ago when it first came out, there was this fantastic tool in it called Glow Learn. And basically it allowed you to set up homeworks and you could mark online. And I thought this was fantastic. So I had every class doing Glow Learn and it was just a pain because <laughs> yeah. functionally it got in the way of actually learning like a system yeah. got in the way of actually mm. learning and then latterly, in the last couple of years started using OneNote and mm. it's much easier to use. Yeah. Everyone can use it. It's just yeah. so much easier. Yeah. You can still mark. Mm. But I think that probably I was just so keen to go. This is great. Let's just so go for it. So you've just to
2: prune a little yeah. bit of yeah, yeah yeah yeah. That's that's logical yeah yeah. yeah. I think it's, it's, I think it's interesting. Well. I mean, I'm quite concerned actually. The amount of um, NQTs that are dropping out of the system within the first mm-hmm. four or five years of teaching, and the figures are very high. And I'm I, you know, I've I've done some work with some schools and some academy chains about you know. Designing the NQT year, uh-huh. the RQT year, which is the year after that, um, yeah. But I'm, you know, I'm conscious that, you know, it, it's a long, it's a complex job teaching, and I yeah. think, yeah. you know, get. I have mean, God, what are the basics? I don't know. I mean, going back to what I saw, I've seen some great lessons and some great. It's, it's been a privilege. I think one of the things is presence. Mm-hmm. I don't mean it in the sense of. Charismatic presence. It's just the person just wants to be there. Just yeah. looks like they want to be there. I mean that's, and that sounds like a basic thing, but they really enjoy being there, or they like children. They like children, <laughs> yeah. you know. I mean, I, mean, is I, that think, I think in the second call context, high subject knowledge is probably still my number one thing. You know, my go-to thing. But 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 the presence of, I don't know. I just sort of you can you can see. You know, you talked about before about moving around mm-hmm. the classroom, but there's something there about. I saw a guy called John Tarrant years ago, um, and it was fascinating. But they don't do that much of it about how you use gesture, mm-hmm. how you mm-hmm. use your body, how you use different tones of voice, and and I'm not necessarily that's that either. But it's, you know, I, I, just wanting to be there, that energy force, that sort of, you know, there's we're all in it together. I really yeah. like that feeling. Yeah. You know, what someone is really. In that spirit, of... it's interesting uh, you say that. that most that most teachers are. Um, you know, they really are. High subject
0: knowledge was first on your list, and that's interesting. Is that uh, just try that? well,
2: okay, because I think for I mean, Professor Robert Coe did a a big study, uh, a couple of years ago, which was about CPD design and, and the CPD or what you guys are called professional learning. Yeah. It yeah, really yeah. creates most impact, and I think in second I think subject knowledge is really high and. Mm. I'll go back to that explain a I was talking about before. Mm-hmm. that. I do think that when you are with a fellow practitioner in your subject, I think you can get so much more out of it. than it. For me, a lot of teacher training is, very, is generic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that teaching backwards is generic. I mm-hmm. think it's good generic mm-hmm. because it's forcing you to think of, well, for a particular topic, what a waggle is, what a great one mm-hmm. looks like, and mm-hmm. how do you deconstruct that. And I think it's it's a tool designed for collaboration with a colleague. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that high subject knowledge—I mean, from high subject knowledge, high subject you have got better quality questioning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, you can get students to read something and then bring questions in the lesson, and and be a more dynamic mm-hmm. process. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's you've just got like the test the, the teacher, you know, beat the teacher, all of that sort of stuff. I yeah, really is is pretty powerful. That's not to say again that. It's the only thing. It's right? the only thing. I know thing, what you're saying, but, yeah. I, but I think I think it's, it's I think it's yeah. very important, and I think um, you know the quality of all written feedback. You know, will be much more succinct and, mm-hmm. and powerful. to yeah. higher the subject knowledge, well, There's definitely a correlation there. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely, I agree.
0: Yeah. It's it's interesting. There's a bit of a. I don't know if it's a sort of false digot that's created at the moment, but there's a bit of a divide in sort of educational research, you know, on the blogs and Twitter and stuff like that, about a conflict that's arising between sort of direct instruction from from teachers who have a really high level of understanding in their... In their subject area yep. and, and actually there's there's this body of knowledge or these body of facts and knowledge that needs to be passed on in direct instruction and mm. in the kind of direct pedagogical sort of opposite maybe I don't know if that's even right but to say that sort of explorative uh, project based learning and I think a lot yeah. of what you talk about yeah. in terms of excessive clarity being clear from the outset Fits more within that model of direct instruction, I suppose. Is there a is there a conflict there between the two? Do you, do you So I, I used to
2: I I ran a I ran a course actually called project based learning. Yeah. And what I found, when I did it, was I think project based learning works for two cohorts. Mm-hmm. It works for very able children and very weak children. The very mm-hmm. able children have got the subject knowledge already or the desire to seek it out, so that the project would end up being meaningful. And for the weaker children, I'd often mean they're motivationally weaker. That a project would be something of in their mm-hmm. interest. Yeah. So I'm talking about teenagers here. So the projects are going off into, you know, so you can use building a go kart to subvert. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're going to learn things from yeah. from taking that that interest route, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I think the vast majority of students at secondary level do need to have that understanding and that knowledge, and you know being someone who, who works in a socially deprived community and someone who, I think that's probably the, the main reason I am I go into education and, work and I work where I work, is that actually a lack of knowledge reduces a child's cultural capital mm-hmm. and it stops them accessing yeah. aspects of the world. And why shouldn't a kid from a, a housing estate be able to go and see a subtitled film or go to theatre mm-hmm. or go to an art gallery? And if they don't do that because of some sort of lack of knowledge, that is for everybody. Those mm-hmm. things for everybody. So I actually, I do hear what you're saying. Yeah, you know, the Engelman Di yeah. stuff, but there's also Di for a small D as well. Yeah. And I think that within yeah. subjects, I think that you know we should expect that subject leaders, subject teachers, should aspire to be uh, to know their subject mm-hmm. as yeah. well as possible and how that subject assessed. I don't mm. think that's
1: absolutely. I guess my kind of dilemma in all this is. We've seen, I think particularly in England, this happens, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, where roots into teaching have been to, to pluck out people who are excellent in their subject field. So maybe they've been a, a, an engineer or a scientist, and because they are fantastic at that, they're seen as, right, we're going to weak you out of this context, we're going to put you totally. in a school, yeah. and the expectation is they will be an excellent teacher because their right. subject knowledge is there, but actually... That's failing to recognise the skill set that you need in terms of questioning, in terms of relating to young people, explanation, and that's that's all contextual. the social skills. I mean, you, you know? know,
2: you can take, you know, someone who's, as you're describing there, you know, very bright, very academic. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a highly motivated group of students um, and they're very able to themselves, that could work, but, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to have you know, the ability to form relationships and absolutely, yeah. And actually, going back to, you know, I'm sure you're going to ask me about research, but, you know, John Hattie, you know, I think in his meta-analysis, teacher credibility is number four. Mm -hmm. I think think teacher credibility is contextual. You know, if you're in a a pupil referral unit, you're not bothered about a teacher's subject knowledge. (laughs) You're bothered about, can that person handle us? Yeah, yeah. You know, so literally I've had that said to me before, you know. <laughs> um, what makes a great teacher? Oh, you can handle us. Um, but at A level or or, or you know higher's, mm-hmm. you know if that if that's high stakes. That that's student's so going to go to university. Yeah. Of course. You yeah. know if, if if I said to you because I've got two children who have both gone through the uh, you know university system. You know you can live with the fact that you don't like or respect your teacher, but you need that yeah. grade. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so actually, yeah, I, I do think that that in you know that subject knowledge trumps up, but but subject knowledge is a combination of, you know, knowledge of the subject and assessment clarity of mm-hmm. that subject. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the added bit of that equation, if there is such an equation, is the plus P, which is pedagogy, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. how you get it across. So it's you're how you get well, what's well, in your better, head yeah. into someone else's head. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I remember being in the school where a colleague. Um, who won national quiz show? Uh, very very bright guy, but he would stand at the front of the class and pretty much talk to the ceiling. Uh, yeah. I, you know, and you know, I I he'd buy and sell me intellectually, but the kids would be asking me for, <laughs> to yeah. explain things and to, because they could have just read the textbook. Yeah. You know? So so consequently, um, you know, you have to be responsive, don't you? Of you know, course. What was it you were saying? I heard you on a previous podcast. You got to teach. You know, if you've got a lesson that would. You taught a lesson that it would be the same if the kids weren't in the room. Yeah, there's no point, teaching <laughs> there's no point it, in teaching yeah, it. So, yeah. so consequently, um, yeah.
0: Uh. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, and I think there is a lot we've I mean, kind of mentioned that we want wanted to chat about research. I know that you're a prolific reader of educational research, and but I think there's a lot of research out there to show that that actually you can really disconnect subject knowledge from pedagogy from what we're trying to say and actually you also then can't separate mm-hmm. building relationships and the, the way that you interact and build that social mm-hmm. capital that you're talking about is so all that's all embroiled within that kind of melting pot so actually to look at one in isolation is maybe doing a disservice to the others as well do you know so it's interesting mm-hmm. that, that discussion yeah. around all, all parts of it
1: and i wonder andy what we normally do on the show is we normally have two features and i would if possible could you frame your answers under these two things so Mm. what you're recommending okay so Mm. that's maybe something that people could pick up tomorrow Mm. and use um, or use aspects of it and then one thing that has inspired you that's probably a bigger thing that's really made you step back and think or maybe changed fundamentally a what you research or a book? Or book, research, like, yeah. um, conference. <laughs>
2: Edubladder, obviously. It's changed my life. Well, that's, um, that's
0: good of you to say, thanks.
2: Um, for a teacher, I think of a teacher's working, uh, I'm reading this book, Poverty, Saf- Poverty Safari. Uh-huh. By, uh, I don't know if you've read it at all, but Darren i Ligari, it, I think it's really, really interesting. I've, I've come from a quite a challenging sort of upbringing myself. Um, but nothing like this guy but but I think it's interesting and I do think going back to what you said there about relationships, I think it helps mm-hmm. the, the, you know there there are schools now that've got very good and better behavior systems. And I really think that's key in secondary schools mm-hmm. but but I feel that you know no excuses you know what there are excuses some people really Mm -hmm. you know poverty will always find a way of making someone behave in a dysfunctional way to themselves and to others and I think what the education system should be is something that really um, you know everybody comes out feeling that they have a success there's too many too many students now feel well they don't get through the system in the first place that Mm. they've not come out you know, feeling successful about themselves. So, um, I think that, I mean, uh, the other thing I think is quite interesting, and I know you've done a um, podcast on this, but I really like uh, Barbara Ehrenreich's work. Now, Barbara Ehrenreich is an, an educator, she's a psychologist, written a number of different books, Smile or Die, is mm-hmm. one of my favorite ones. And she's quite critical of, I think, the, I guess the positive psychology, you know, movement. It's quite American, mm-hmm. you know, and. and Look, there's there's a lot to be said for growth mindset but you know what growth mindset is not going to alleviate some of the real issues no. that people have with poverty mm-hmm. and you know so so consequently I think built around you know around relationships and trying to get teachers who you know, they might not have gone through themselves divorce or been homeless or had violence against them or mm-hmm. any of those things um, if you can understand what it's like when you have been through some of those things, mm-hmm. you know, I, that was a part of my life. I had a knife to my throat from a stepdad and I was not even bothered. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just so normal, you know. Yeah. Um, so it was like, it was just, so that's just not good, you know. Yeah. So it no, will find a way. I you mean, know, I was, you know, really well behaved at school. It wasn't the case of that at all. But, um, but I think that... Yeah, I guess I don't know if he was expecting me to say, you know, Professor Graham Nuttall. Great no, book. no, I think I think, I think, no, the, I think the, the, hidden, the hidden lives of learners by Professor Graham Nuttall, as, as a classroom teacher, is a must read because yeah. he did what you said, Jase. He, he his research team put microphones on kids and listened to, to them rather than focusing on the teacher, mm-hmm. and I think that that helped come out. You know, his favourite quote was eighty percent of the feedback in your lesson. Um, you know is from student to student and 80 mm-hmm. percent of that is wrong and that that that's so and yeah. that's why i think being explicit and clear yeah. about what you want students to do uh-huh. is so important because it reduces that second eight percent we can't be everywhere at once we can't give mm-hmm. everybody individual feedback at once um edith hockman the writing revolution american book come out recently mm. I think some really good explicit methods about writing there um, so i really really like her stuff um yeah um you've got say professor dylan william embedded formative assessment and i really like professor vivianne robinson's work uh, around leadership and around trust and the, the one i the books i brought here today uh who can you trust rachel botsman i just sort of think in the 21st century trust yeah. is the big issue mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard or read, but a couple of weeks ago at Imperial College London, a lecture was given by a hologram. You know, how far wow. away are we from you wow. know, robot teachers, AI, you know. Yeah. Have you read Sapiens or, yeah. you know. And there's something really interesting. Or listen to the uh, Joe Rogan, Elon Musk podcast. Yeah, yeah. You, know, it's, you know, just think what a mobile phone looked like 20 years ago. Yeah. Think about what it, what it can do now. 20 years time what will it be you know yeah. you know so so I think I'm fascinated by the future really and I think you know you, you said like you're very knowledgeable about technology but I'm fascinated about what's possible um, and how it, it you know potentially can make our lives mm-hmm. you know richer yeah. so so I, I mean I, I, guess I, I guess a lot of what I'm trying to you know I guess what I try and read is is some stuff that's sort of forward thinking you know so
1: positive in its outlook and something
2: that will help yeah. you get to that point if you listen to Elon Mustang he's really negative about <laughs> AI and technology yeah. and lots yeah. of people are but I think I think that's because you know perhaps we don't have as much democracy and choices that we think we have you know I mean yeah. but but I, but I do feel that yeah so I read I read things about pedagogy I think there's some fantastic books out there people on you, know, you don't have to go put some fantastic people on Twitter, Twitter and some yeah. fantastic blogs and I think people can find their own yeah. their own flavour of so things there, so just to bring you,
1: know. you back to, to Rachel um, yeah. Botsman's book on who mm. can you trust how important is trust then for you like, where have you seen that work really really well what are the different dynamics of trust and also what are the consequences if we're not trusting of our staff and of our young people
2: well I mean I mean, B- Botsman would tend to write about um, the corporate world. I saw a okay. speaker at a CRPD conference in Manchester last week, mm-hmm. a f- really, really great speaker, so you get a chance to watch on YouTube or whatever, mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, yeah, and Professor Vivian Robinson talks about it's the number one thing that leaders can do. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's, I think a lot of it is, I think a lot of trust is about competence. Mm-hmm. You know, y- you guys are school leaders yourselves, and I think you're, your staff will judge you as a leader not on how good a teacher you are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think you get a bit of reflected glory for that, but it's how good you are as a leader. So I think think part of trust is established by competence, part of trust is also established by the professional regard you have for others Mm -hmm. and the personal regard you have for others. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what I mean by professional regard is that if you organise some training and it's crap, Mm -hmm. Your trust score will go down, yeah. uh, if there is such a thing. Um, mm. But also the personal regard is that you know it's incumbent on a leader to know not every single thing, but if someone's had a loss in their family or mm. you know just people just like to be asked. Yeah. And, you know, and that includes you know the caretaker, the, who works in the canteen. You know, that's that's an organisation where people look after each other and mm. they're valued as human beings. Yeah. So i like I think, the analogy of,
1: of um money in the bank with yeah the trust. i do yeah, yeah and then it just yeah, goes yeah, as soon yeah. as you do one little thing that just mm-hmm. totally disappears and you've got to start again yeah. your credibility has gone Stephen covey
2: talks about that he's, yeah you know it's that sort of the trust sort of bank isn't mm-hmm. it and you know you can credit or mm-hmm. uh, i mean you know without mentioning names of course you, you you'll have had situations professionally where you perhaps not got the not got you don't trust someone mm-hmm. yeah. and it really does make a big difference of course
1: it? and what? you really think about how you're you know what you say like what, so
2: what What would it be for you why, why would you why would you not trust somebody in education
1: um i think if they've let me down you know i i need to know that 100 percent no matter what i can yeah. trust someone yeah. so i can be totally honest with someone yeah. um if I f- one of the big things for me is if i find out people are being quite um deceptive or talking about things inappropriately yeah. or in an unprofessional way that's a real no-no for me um and that'll take a while to build that trust back up i mean i don't hold grudges but equally i need to absolutely rely on people yeah I
0: like you too. Well, I do, it's an interesting thing because i think trust is such a it's Obviously, it's a subjective thing isn't it Mm. you can't just say well I am trustworthy therefore you have to trust me and it's that like Ken Robinson talks about that that the moment that we're needing to create it's that sort of agricultural model of of education it's about creating the conditions for growth and I think it's a similar thing with trust isn't it Mm. you have to create those conditions for trust and I've been in environments before where that condition isn't there because actually there's lots of people talking about each other behind their backs or whatever and actually I'm thinking well if that's what you're saying to me then is that how how are we talking about each other when I'm not here, do you know? And it's just do you ever do anything <laughs> about that, though? Because and, and that's, and that's I, I,
2: did, I did it, I was, it was interesting, I was asked How to go into did. a school, exactly. We write about it in our new book, Plug, The Learning Imperative. <laughs> um, I, I, I did some work in a school um, in the Midlands, and they asked me to come back, and the remit was, can you work with our staff to get them to get on with each other more? It was really interesting, and it was a good project. And what we ended up developing was quite tight protocols mm-hmm. that encompass 80 stuff now it started off with you know we will respect each other uh-huh. but as you said that's what, what does that mean that's very subjective so it was literally as you know we you know we will agree from this point not to talk about someone so to only talk about someone as if they was in the room with us okay. now people can break that yeah but, but you know if you've got an agreement that is You know, in the staff manual and staff, Mm. at least there was an attempt there. um, What I would say that they're still using those protocols ten years later. Yeah, there's got to be something in it, and it did have an impact on staff morale. Um, And what I what I learnt is that um, consensus is more powerful than democracy. Mm -hmm. So at each Mm. point in our five point plan, like when you walk past someone in the corridor, you wouldn't acknowledge them Mm -hmm. and you know, that, I mean, that's just... It's well, common it, sense. Well, it, well, it yeah. would yeah. be, common, so decency. Call it common, but not everybody was doing it. Yeah. So it became yeah. the norm. So we got these five pro- 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 protocols agreed, and at each point I said, can, anybody can't live with that. Mm. So can we put that in the bank? That's there. Yeah. So this was two days of work, different workshops, different people contributing, um, yeah I was proud of that because yeah. I think it really helped them you have to start in a good place and yeah. students will yeah. be in a better place and I think that's the thing isn't it that trust Adults at adult level have mm-hmm. an impact. You know, when when students see members of the staff shaking hands and having a laugh oh, on the toilet, it. Yeah. it really does. It creates a good norm in the in the workplace. You know. But you made
1: a, a good point there. Do you challenge that? And I, I see that as every member of staff's duty and responsibility.
2: Well, I've, I've got my business card with me, Jace, today. To make so. sure. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you know? It is everyone's responsibility to make sure that we are.
2: But you talked before about assumptions. You know. Uh, how we we might assume that it's really obvious that we would do certain things. I mean, have yeah. been, been a hospital porter, I've been as a hospital porter, I'd walk down the corridor and say good morning to everybody and some would say good morning back, some wouldn't. Yeah. But actually I'm a good morning person, you know, but not everybody is. And yeah. you know, but if you agree that that's gonna be what we do, mm-hmm. then you do it. But I think you've got to do it and believe in it, not rather than do it sort of grudgingly. But I think some of the protocols we talked about we're just to try to build trust, you mm-hmm. know, that, you know, what's often subverts trust is that, you know, there are hidden agendas, mm-hmm. there's, you know, gossip, there's mm-hmm. favourites, and, you know, you're trying to create a, a culture where that, that, that is diluted as much as possible.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You know. Yeah. My top tip would be to go and stop the person if they ignore you. Because I I don't think that should be accepted either. If <laughs> someone ignores me, I always <laughs> go back and say, yeah. Yeah. "Is yeah. everyone okay?" What about
2: if people don't wave to you in the car? If you don't, if 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 you let someone out uh-huh. and you don't wave back, do you just chase them in the street? Or do you <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> this has got a lot of uh, convictions. Yeah. Yeah. There is a the gap in the market. Work. I think. Going through a red light using your mobile phone. Yeah. teaching people so. That's
1: it was probably passive aggressive or just aggressive I don't I think know. it's <laughs> that you have. right Andy I'm
0: aware that okay. uh, I want to be precious of your time and I could sit and have a blether with you all all night and I think it's been great we've I think we've gone into the depths of teaching and outstanding teaching what we mean by high quality teaching there's been a lot we've gone through holographic teaching at some point as well and it's it's been good but I want to I want to think about like right, what what is next for you and I think from speaking to you in the podcast, and speaking to you. With I know that you're, um, there's you're you're kind of moved by the the this book, the kind of poverty safari, the the notions behind that. I, I, I been, really have been moved by the What is yeah. next for you? What's, um, what's coming
2: up? I think it has been a voice nagging away at me for the last couple of years. I mean, I do work in, uh, you know, part time and associate advice community. I want to do more work um, around sort of community learning. Mm. So I've got a, um, yeah, I've just set up a new. Uh, organization called Mallet Community Learning and we're setting up a community theatre uh, community theatre group mm. uh, we're looking at various different things so it's in its early stages and initially actually be doing quite a lot of research mm-hmm. I'm hoping to get into podcasting perhaps you can give it a plug <laughs> when we start but yeah I'm gonna you know I want to interview community champions around the UK unsung heroes mm. Um, where it goes I don't know really but I've been I love learning and I sort of think that it's always sad when people stop learning and I really do believe that a lot of people in communities are done too and I think there's a lot of creative solutions and you see some of the musicians and some of the artists that come out some of the most challenging communities Mm -hmm. in Britain it just shows you the talent is there but I want to try and find a way of Getting community projects, uh, getting other communities aware of other communities' projects Mm. and projects and what they do so that possibly they could be replicated and networked in some way. Mm. I want to also try and, because it's so hard now, when we were talking about this, Jude, for any community to get any money for doing anything. So I want to try and see if there's a way of, they do this much better in the States of getting philanthropists to support particular community projects Mm -hmm. and yeah I'm going that way really Mm. you know I'm still going to be doing some teacher training I'll still be doing some teaching but I've carved a bit of space for myself to to begin sort of yeah quite a long journey so I've got a bit of a goal of a hundred podcasts hundred interviews with community unsung heroes over the next five six years if I'm Mm. lucky enough to get there who knows what might come out of that but certainly you know certainly the intention is um, to learn and see if I can use that learning to help other communities and perhaps even you know bring people together and, and I mean as you know as a technology whiz it'd be great wouldn't it, if you could get someone in community centre in London skyping with someone in Glasgow Absolutely. and, it. and then mm-hmm. I just yeah. don't you know I think there's there's so many you know just even how to access certain monies mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Um, you know different tips and do's and don'ts. so yeah that's and I that's where a, I'm going really career natural, wise yeah.
0: natural extension though I suppose and not very transferable from what you're doing because you're a facilitator yeah. that's what you do you're 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 facilitating people's learning people's growth people's development and I think it's it's just using I think very I think, similar yeah
2: I think I've got I think if he's not too punchy, I sort of see myself as like a, a learning designer now yeah. I heard someone say it the other day at a conference it must be a real <laughs> <laughs> thing <laughs> Um, yeah, but, but yeah it's you know I've always enjoyed designing training courses yeah. you know, but I think you know designing projects I've enjoyed designing yeah. pro- but I also think um, I mean my ultimate dream would be taking some real you know social issues so, I mean there's a massive issue at the moment around knife crime yeah. yeah. but if you could have I mean this scares the bejesus out of me but if I've, if I was in a room with 12 ex-offenders and they've all been convicted on some knife crime but I took them on a journey, and one of them ended up leading a course or presenting to schools about knife crime. That would be amazing. Yeah. So that actually scares the life out of me, but it's good to do things that are scary. Maybe yeah. I could be there in three years' time, but I can't be there until I stop a little bit and stop, sort of, I guess, delivering and shed a bit of skin and, and learn from. Meeting some magical people around the country, so I'm I'm creating a bit of space for me to do that over the next few years, and I'm sure I'll get a load out of it. Um, and yeah, sounds exciting. That's, I think it will be. Yeah, yeah. it's where I'm going. Yeah, yeah, and you know I might you know be able to go to, you know the states or other places where yeah. they do it as well. You know, but um, you know there's lots of social issues out there, and I really firmly believe that people within the communities can solve those issues better than people who come from outside in yeah. <laughs> those communities. Ironically, I'm that, that person at the moment, but I want to sort of try to, you know, I guess the right word is facilitate, you know, conversations between different people that are doing things really, really well, at mm-hmm. you know, community level. Um, and it'd be it's so sad. There's lots of things that I think have been going well at community level that have just stopped because mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if, you guys know in your community. I mean, sometimes it's just one individual. If that person isn't there, then loads of things stop. Uh, yeah. Or it could be a funding stream stops. Yeah. Yep. I mean, lots of sure start centres closed in, yeah. in England. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just sort of think that, you know, they were doing good things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, I really want to yeah. throw myself into that. Yeah, I guess that's what. Wow. Maybe I'll talk to you in a couple of years let <laughs> I, I, know, end, end, yeah, I hope so, there, definitely. There um, I just
0: always like to finish off an interview, and I think we're, we're approaching that time sadly because it has been an absolute pleasure and a de- yeah. delight to speak to you. You're such a, an inspiring individual, and really it is. And I think you embody all, everything that we're talking about when we're thinking about. As long dedicating. as it's not as shit as you thought it was going to be. It's All I was aiming for. Got a tick in the box. All I was aiming for. Is there anything that you wanted to say that hasn't been said? Is there anything that you'd like to talk about? Do you want to tell us about anything in particular, or do you feel that you've had the opportunity to to lay all bare?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't think of anything else. Like that. thank you just for the opportunity to speak to both of you. Um, been really, uh, really, really enjoyed it. You know, so thanks.